Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of the Starkville Daily News, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Thursday morning. We are so glad that you have joined us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate everybody tuning in, especially our servicemen and women who take care of us out there across the world. And, our, of course, our medical people here taking care of us at home, doctors, nurses, and all the, all the people working in the hospitals, from everybody. You know, that's not just a that's not just the doctors and the nurses. You got to give, you know, the, even the custodial staff. I mean, they're keeping the hospitals clean, sanitized. They're trying to do everything we can. So, you know, when we if you do get sick, they're going to try to get you, get you better as, as fast as possible. Hopefully everybody out there is doing great today. Uh, glad you guys have joined us. Want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House. Want to remind you that you can go by there. The drive-through window over on Highway 12 or the walk-up window over on uh, University Drive. Keep your social distance but get the caffeine that you want, plus they have, you know, they still got all those delicious baked goods and everything else, so, you know, tell them you want a cookie. You deserve a cookie. Get you a cookie. Joel, Joel T. tomorrow, when you go get your coffee, I want you to get a cookie. You deserve a cookie. I know you don't like sweets. I don't care. I don't want to hear about this anymore. All right? We are in different times now. You're going to have a cookie. We are in different times. Um, Chocolate chip cookie. I am... Get the boys one, too. I haven't had time to run mm-hmm. of course going to the gyms out you can't do that now they're, they're, I, they're gonna, I haven't been they're to the, closed as they, of friday now they're literally closed but before that you mm-hmm. had to couldn't be more than 10 people i, I wouldn't go in anyway but yeah. like the last three weeks i hadn't been to the gym yeah you're getting I, haven't, I haven't ran in you look two and a you half look weeks. terrible it ain't gonna be long before, <laughs> before uh thunder and lightning's thunder and thunder and it's just a couple of big old <laughs> booties sitting in chairs in here and, <laughs> can't fit in the door no, that chair is not big either that you're yeah. in so uh yeah so quarantine is uh, so you're gonna get a cookie is what you're saying Quarantine's gonna get me back to back in the day you know you're playing up, weight i used to have to shop in the husky section when, when mom and i would <laughs> I go know all about clothes, the husky so, uh, section joel t's gonna get back to that so you're gonna get a cookie is that what we determined no i'm not gonna get a cookie we'll get the boys a cookie then for god's sakes i, I mean tell them it's I'll from uncle brian my wife my i'll boys. give you a couple bucks um yeah I will get something. I guarantee okay. you that. All right. Well, you guys do that too. Make sure you go by there and keep supporting your local businesses. Also, I want you guys to shop online at collegecornerstore.com. That's the place to go to get all the MSU merchandise that you are looking for. Make sure that people, you know, as they're walking past your house because they can't come in, they want to see that MSU flag. They want to see that MSU statue out front. Or if they are able to come in because they live there, those are the only people who should be in your house right now. But make sure you know when you walk in your door that you live in an MSU house, that you've got the uh, maroon and white stuff out there that you need to have. And, of course, hats, T-shirts, polos, all that stuff, it's available to you at collegecornerstore.com. Before we start. I, I got another sponsor here. Hit the other sponsor. <laughs> why, why are you trying to take away? Not. not I'm not. Okay. I'm not I, I apologize. Are you sure? I, I, I'm very sure. All right. I, I, thought, we, I thought we were After this here. one, we can start. Just something just dawned on me. Very good. I also want to thank our, our newest sponsor, Advantage Business Systems, founded in 1976 in Jackson, Mississippi. So doing business 
for gosh over 45 years almost uh, here in the state of Mississippi where they operate out of. They've got a long-standing business relationship with people here in Mississippi State, with people here in Starkville over at OCH. They offer full sales and service for all office technology. And right now, when you're trying to get your office turned into a virtual office, they are the ones to call. They have specials to help your remote workers get the business devices they need in their home office setups. And they're more than happy to set up a virtual meeting to consult the business technology needs in this new working landscape. Buy local, be local with Advantage Business Systems. Visit them online at www.absms.com or call toll-free 844-833-6245. Advantage Business Systems, your local expert in business technology. Do business with them so that you can do business. That's not their actual. I'm just going with it. I, I made that up. That's pretty good. You got something you want to say over there? Well, two things. Number one, I just saw your cousin's uh, Facebook meme, and I, I'm, it's true. I, I think it's that's true hilarious. Story. Uh, two, do you realize what we were doing? As we record this show, it is a Wednesday night. Do you realize what we were doing three weeks ago at this time? We were talking about Mississippi State, Florida, probably. Or, or well, it was the night that State swept Texas, Texas Tech. Texas Tech, yeah. That was just three weeks ago. Yeah, it feels like it was last year. What if I had told you? That day, that three weeks hold later. On, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Wait, hold on. I, 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 hold on. <laughs> I know where you're going here. I'll let you get there. Uh, we almost there? Maybe. <laughs> we need volume? Maybe. What if I told you that three weeks... After Mississippi State swept Texas Tech away in Biloxi, that we would all be shut up in our houses, perhaps never to leave again. I have nothing to add. You got to put a title kind of on that. <laughs> you know, there's got to be a title for that. I don't know. I'm trying to think, what will be a good one? <laughs> Go the social distance. I don't know. All right. I, I was trying to come up with something clever. Yeah, I couldn't. That do had it. to do with like. Well, I don't want to do the viruses. Well, I was going to do something so. like the bats because I was talking about baseball. And oh, God. The bat no, and nobody wants that. So, no, yeah. that's no good. Anyway, All right. Three weeks ago, man. It's, it's really weird. Yeah. And three weeks later, there's no sports of any kind. Correct. The, the Olympics. The, the Olympics are not going to happen. Wimbledon was canceled today. Wimbledon was canceled. And, uh, and so... The Masters have been canceled. I generally stay away from negativity on this show because I want you all to... So I won't, I won't be too negative. But I will say, if the Olympics can be canceled, college football can be canceled. You say you stay away from negativity. Let me go fire up the game, the, the, the show after State Tennessee last year. Well, <laughs> let me fire up that show and talk about Joel T staying away from negativity. There, there were a couple of moments. Yeah, last year. <laughs> that was sort of like when uh, <laughs> Satan and Jesus were out in the desert. Desert, you know, he gave in for a second there. All right, it's bracket Thursday. Jesus never gave in in the desert. Well, you're not Jesus. Uh, yeah. I just... So. Let's catch up the bracket here. Bottom half of the drill-filled uh, region is set. Uh, no upsets. Well, I'm sorry, one upset. Uh, let's talk about this, though. Hunter Renfro just completely destroys J.J. Johnson. That breaks my heart, to be totally honest. And it, it surprises me. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of recency bias happening there. Um, Anthony Dixon, of course, moves forward. 87% of the vote for Dixon. He's into the, uh, the round of 32. He'll take on Renfro. Uh, Kent Hall. Goes over Charles Rhodes. So the 10 seed advances here. 53% of the vote for him. Jeff Malone, 83% of the vote over Jackie Parker. He advances as well. So uh, the 2, 3, 
Six and ten seeds have advanced into the second round in the drill-filled region. Let's look at the top half of this bracket. We'll start with the number one seed, Rafael Palmero. He will take on the 16th seed, Allie McDonald. McDonald, uh, without question, the greatest women's golfer here in Mississippi State history. Now on the LPGA Tour, she has played uh, in some big tournaments and, and played very, very well. Uh, Palmero, of course, we all know who he is. Triple crown winner, first round draft choice, longtime uh, MLB star, 500 home runs, right? Am I correct? Mm-hmm. 3,000 hits? Yes. I mean, those, those, you know, if he had the era that he played in sort of defined him, obviously. But uh, in terms of Mississippi, this was sort of those, one of those things, by the way. I took a lot of questions about Clark and Palmero. It really does feel like it's a coin flip, right? Between who should be the one and who should be the two. Yeah. What 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 pushed it over the top for me is the triple crown. I think that's that's why Palmero deserved to be the one seed and not Clark. Both fantastic careers. You can't you can't really split them. But well, for me, that's the difference maker. Both fantastic careers at Mississippi State. That makes a difference. And if you want to include the pro stuff, look, I, I know we all know why he's not in the Hall of Fame. But yes. Rafi has Hall of Fame numbers. He he should. From a number standpoint, and, you know, I, I, this is not passing judgment, whatever, but, like, if you just look across the greatest players in Major League history, you look at his numbers and things, I mean, he's got a Hall of Fame resume. So, I yeah, mean, no question. in addition to the Triple Crown at State, he had the better of the professional careers, I guess is what I'm... Yeah, uh, you're, you're correct. You're 100% correct. So, Palmero versus Ali McDonald, that's your one sixteen matchup. They will take on the winner. Of a very of an old school, new school kind of matchup, football versus baseball. So we've got a little bit of the uh, the same dynamic we had with Renfro and uh, and JJ Johnson. This is a much older football player and a older baseball player. Didi Lewis is the eight seed here. He will take on Mitch Moreland. Didi Lewis to me is possibly State's greatest football player uh, between Jackie Parker and John Bond. Is how what, what I would probably say to that. Um, College Football Hall of Famer, I believe. In the uh, he's in the uh, Ring of Honor. Uh, long time. When I say long time, I mean it. Dallas Cowboy played in three decades. Played at the tail end of the '60s, but the first couple of the year of the '80s, and of course all throughout the '70s uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. Fantastic, fantastic football player. Mitch Moreland. What can you say about that guy? St- still one of the top hitters in Major League Baseball. Uh, World Series champion, and of course here at Mississippi State took a team to the College World Series as a uh, both a position player and a uh, a pitcher. He got the uh, the save in the, the the super regional clinching game. Am I correct? Maybe not the save, but he was on the mound in the in the ninth. Ooh, I know I'm right. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, play. You know, Moreland's sort of his tenure at state. The teams weren't great. You know, oh five, oh six. Those weren't great teams. Uh, you know, lost in regionals. But that 07 run makes him you – know, what sort of elevates him. I think if 07 doesn't – you know, if they just go out in the, in the region, the regional, like uh, most people would have predicted them to, uh, maybe Mitch Moreland isn't as, as, what, as, as revered as he is today. Is that, is that a fair judgment? Probably. I, I, I think that's fair. I think so. But we'll see. So, that's your 8-9 matchup. Diddy Lewis and Mitch Moreland. Who do, you, who do you like there? I don't know which way to go. And I'll tell you why. Because you know you see the way that Hunter Renfro just dominated JJ Johnson, but yeah. then you also see Kent Hull beating Charles Rhodes. My, so I don't know. My gut here is Moreland. 
is that Moreland goes, but I think that Dee Dee probably should, but I don't think he will. Yeah. Well, we'll see. All right. Latoya Thomas is the five seed in this region. Possibly the greatest women's basketball player of all time from a statistical standpoint, no question. She is the greatest basketball player of all time at Mississippi State. I would give the edge to Victoria Vivians and probably Tierra McCowan. McCowan's a different kind of player, you know, just so dominant. But Victoria Vivians and Latoya Thomas, very similar, you know, kind of players playing out there on the wing. They could shoot. But obviously the popularity of women's basketball in Victoria Vivians' tenure at Mississippi State is not was not what it was in Latoya Thomas's tenure. And even as good as those teams were. Uh, I would not I, – I, just just from a popularity standpoint, Vivian's deserves to be ahead of her, I would say. Yeah, I agree, 100%. So, but from a statistical standpoint, she might – she's the most dominant women's college basketball player in MSU history and one of the best in the SEC. She will take on uh, the pride of Ware High School, Desenzo Miller. Is he the pride? I'm going to give him that, that nod. Andy Atkinson will let us know for sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, they had a lot of – Talent. Oh, a ton. <laughs> a ton. You didn't ever want but, to play them. But I, I do think Desenzo probably. Yeah. Uh, of course, a uh, four-year starter. Or not a four-year starter, but a three-year starter. Uh, Thousand-yard rusher his junior year. Part of that tremendous uh, team that, you know, that great game against Florida and he all. He had the, I mean, I'm going back before state. You keep, I'm thinking where here. But he had the state's high school touchdown record, I believe. And I, I don't know if it's ever been passed. It may, I'm sure it, may it has been. in this day and age, but I don't know for sure. Um, you know, I remember his freshman year at old against Ole Miss. He had the touchdown that sort of broke the game open. A uh, a long screen pass where he did that his t- his trademark weaving through tacklers style that he was famous for. That guy ran maybe the best open field runner in Mississippi State history. You know, n- not the fastest, not the most powerful running back, but he had a innate sense of breaking tackles. That he could just he could just think about that run against Ole Miss, the run the run against Florida, the long pass against uh, BYU. BYU. I mean, just he he just he consistently did that. Um, big stat for him: three and one in egg bowls too. Nothing wrong with that stat right there. So that's a five twelve. That's got upset potential because of football. I think football versus think women's right. basketball. That's 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 a, that's a tough matchup. You know, we've only had two. We've only had one. We've had. Uh, one other women's basketball matchup so far. That was Tierra McCowan against a men's basketball player from the 50s. Yeah. She was going to win that. And DeCenzo was beloved. Yeah. Too, still so. is, too. And I, he's still around. He coaches down at Louisville, right? Um, I think he's still coaching at Louisville. I think yeah. That's right. I believe that's right. Um, his son plays for Akron or Choctaw County. Yeah. Yeah. Get, get to see him a good bit. But yeah. um, I, 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 I may not be the greatest guy to ask this question because growing up in Choctaw County, I mean, when Desenzo Miller's playing at Mississippi State, he was obviously the guy that a lot of a lot of Ackerman and Ware eyeballs were on because yeah. where he came from and stuff. So I, he was obviously beloved to to us there. Um, but it seems like he was beloved all over. Right? It wasn't just a wasn't just a Choctaw County deal. He seems like a an all around beloved Mississippi State Bulldog. So he's got a shot here to to, to pull the upset. We'll see what happens. All right, and then the four thirteen matchup here. Baseball versus football. Bobby Thigpen versus Walt Harris. Thigpen, another sort of similar to Mitch Moreland, pitcher and position player. But unlike Moreland, Moreland, you know, went on to the pros as a position player, as a hitter. Bobby Thigpen became a closer and the best closer in baseball for a couple of years there. Does he still have fifty-seven saves? Is not still the record, is it? I think somebody passed him. I think it's um, Trevor Hoffman. I could be wrong. 
Most saves in a season. We're doing that thing again. It's uh, Francisco Rodriguez. K-Rod. K-Rod, yeah. 62. And then Edwin Diaz tied him two seasons ago with 57. Um, Thickpin, of course, you know, part of the 85 team. Uh, a surefire. He'll be in that. He was going to be in the Ring of Honor this year, right? But that obviously has been canceled. No one's getting in it this year. No one's getting in there this year. Um, and then, of course, with uh, Walt Harris, one of the most underrated football players uh, in, in MSU history. Um, just a, a fantastic defensive back. You know, if you say name the best DBs in MSU history, people are going to say Jonathan Banks. They're going to say Fred Smoot. They might say uh, Darius Slay. And Harris sort of just gets you know lost in the uh, in the in the in the shuffle there sometimes. This guy was really really good. Um, he was a two time first team All SEC player, uh, first round pick of the uh, the Chicago Bears, uh, All Rookie Team, and then in two thousand six he was an All Pro. So think about it: ten years after he was drafted, normally that's when you would think cornerbacks are starting to you know. Fade away. Fade away a little bit. He goes over to the 49ers, leads the league in interceptions, and is an all-pro and makes his one and only Pro Bowl. Uh, just, just a great player for Mississippi State. and so, Sort of the start of a good run of cornerback State would have from, from the time he left till basically you know the, the end of when Fred Smoot left. So in that five, six-year period, State was consistently pretty good at cornerback. Um, and, and like I said, with, with Walt Harris, I, I just – you know, another guy, he's in the Ring of Honor over at Davis Wade Stadium. Just a good football player. You know, if, if you say what's his legacy, he was just a good football player. You, you didn't worry about him. You know, you, you could put him out there on the island and everything was going to be okay. So, so Walt Harris taking on uh, Bobby Thickman. That's your 4 13 matchup. So let's recap these matchups one more time and we'll have the polls up shortly. Or they'll be up by the time you're, you're listening to this. Rafael Palmero versus Ali McDonald. Didi Lewis against Mitch Moreland. All right, let me let me let me predict here. Palmero, Palmero, Moreland. Okay, Latoya Thomas and Desenzo Miller. I think Desenzo. I think Latoya is going to win. I Think so. Yeah, and then Bobby Thickpen and Walt Harris. I think Walt Harris is going to win. Now I'm wrong. I'm not taking that back. Yeah, Bobby I, I'm, I was going to say I think I'm going Thickpen. All right, so I think it's I think it's, we think it's going to be one nine five and four. Not a lot of upsets. That's upsetting. It's upsetting that we haven't had a lot of upsets. Well. It speaks to your quality of seating. If that now that's true, people were like, "Oh, you seated this bad." No, they're not getting any upsets. So maybe the other side of the bracket. We'll see. All right, polls will be up by the time you're listening to this. Please vote. We'll have the uh, polls run through Sunday, and that's when Joel and I'll be back with our podcast. But before we go, we've got a uh, bulldog rewind to look forward to here. Uh, that sounds a little weird. Bulldog rewind to look forward to. So we'll move. On into that, and that's brought to you by our friends. Anytime we have an interview on the show, it's brought to you by our friends at Welcome Home Beef, the Welcome Home Beef Hotline. Those guys want to remind you that they can bring your order right to your car, or they can do delivery here in the Starkville area. They are doing that right now when you call them at 662-418-2021, or when you go online at facebook.com slash welcomehomebeef, and you can be enjoying some delicious steaks, some juicy burgers, or the most melt-in-your-mouth pot roast you'll ever have in your life because it's USDA prime beef that you're going to be putting on the grill, in the pan, or in the stove. I like following them on Facebook, and I encourage you to do so as well because when people buy Welcome Home Beef products and post on Facebook, hey, this is the thing I cooked, they put the pictures up. 
So if you like looking at pictures of delicious steaks, and I do, I like looking at that stuff, uh, they've got it all the time. Plus, they always have some cooking tips and a lot of other good stuff there as well. So check them out. I could use those. <laughs> I had some people reach out to me today, and they are in agreement that I have got to teach you how to cook. I got to teach you how to eat better, too. I Some friends of mine were like, let me get this straight. He could be at any restaurant in the world, and he wants some grilled chicken tenders from Obie's. We got it. We got it. We got it. We got to expand your horizon. I'm just telling you. I am. I am. No. I am telling you. Likes what I like. I am telling you that we're going to expand your horizons. We're going to get you to some different restaurants. All right. It's going to have to happen. It's got to be that way. We got. We got to beat this virus so that Joel T can learn how to eat better. <laughs> all right. I will not. I will not go gently into that good night of knowing that my friend Joel was excited about some grilled chicken tenders when there's so much more out there. They do excite me. Uh, we got to get rid of that. And if you get over $25 worth, you get free rotel. Free rotel and chips. That is exciting. I won't lie. So. But anyway, Welcome Home Beef. Welcome Home Beef. Why, why should I be shopping with Welcome Home Beef? Do you have, do you have any idea? I, in my opinion, it just tastes good. It just tastes good. And it doesn't hurt that while we are sheltering in place, mm-hmm. you can get out to go get something to eat yeah. at Welcome Home Beef. I mean, right. that's one of the places you can actually you can go. not have to shelter in place. You can get there. Yeah. So You get there, tell them you're outside, they'll bring it out to your car, go home, meet. meet. That's, that's, all, that's all you need to know. Shelter in place with meat. Sounds great. If, 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 they would, if governors and presidents would make it that, if they would say that, like, hey, shelter in, in place with meat, people would be like, oh. <laughs> all right, never mind. That doesn't sound like a bad idea at all. <laughs> Honey, fire up the grill. Uh, we got meat. I mean, that's why that's I'm going to look at it. All right. Uh, let's get over to the Welcome Home Beef Hotline. We're talking 2014 Texas A&M with MSU offensive lineman Ben Beckwith. So joining us now to talk about Mississippi State, Texas A&M from the 2014 season here on the Welcome Home Beef Hotline is our friend Ben Beckwith, former MSU offensive lineman. I wanted to talk to you but for one reason about this game because this was a game you had to switch positions. So I want to go back to when you find out Dylan Day is suspended for this game. What was that conversation like with you, with Dan Mullen, maybe John Hevesy, where, hey, we need you to slide down to the center position? Yeah, so uh, it was, yeah, obviously after the LSU game, big win, uh, waiting on the road there. And uh, so we come in on Sunday uh, to watch film and go over all that stuff and after we go through, uh, I think we're, you know, usually two hours of meetings on Sundays, and then we have a, a little light practice afterwards and go over uh, the last week's game and then kind of switch to, to A&M, to that game plan, and then we come back into the facility and have meetings. And uh, before our second, hand, our second part of meetings, I had Mullen uh, call me, you know, call me into his office, and Hevesy was in there, and uh, they kind of went over that they were going to go ahead and uh, self, you know, I guess the best way to put it, self-suspend. We were going to put the suspend, you know, go ahead and suspend Dylan ourselves without having the SEC come in and do it. Their, you know, just put the sanctions on us or whatever you would call it. Um, and they said, well, you're, you know, you're going to have to play center. And I looked at him kind of just wide-eyed and, you know, like I'd seen a ghost. And he said, what do you, you know, why are you looking at me like that? And I said, well, you know, we, we've had a backup center, you know, all season. And I haven't been, in, I haven't been, in, you know, at that slot on the depth chart, you know. And, uh I had not snapped a ball since I was probably, you know, eleventh grade, you know, from high school, so five, six years ago, and definitely didn't do it uh, under shotgun. So, but that led to the, you know, your leader, you're going to do it. No, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, which I was good to go. So, um, 
he told me to get up with Dak and, you know, just start going over repetition and snaps and shotgun snaps and things like that. So that's the first time I physically had someone tell me, hey, you're going to be the center this week. So. One one thing about that game was it came after a bye week. You know, you've gone, you've beaten LSU, big win, you get into the top 25, and, and you got a lot of momentum. We talked about this on a podcast I did last week. Did the bye week come at a good time? Did you need to maybe settle back down? Or was it, hey, we want to keep playing as, as quickly as possible? I know for me, the bye week was good. Um, I know that that year, you know, after winning that game, yeah, we would have loved to just roll right into A&M. But I think that kind of gave us a little time to, as a team, kind of, you know, catch our breath. And, you know, we not to say we haven't been in those environments before, but we had just beat a team in, in, a, in an environment that we haven't done, you know, previously and hadn't been known to do. So it was kind of nice for everybody to sit back, take a seat, take a little time off, all the starters especially during a bye week. You don't get as many reps. You kind of get yourself healthy, all this other stuff, and it kind of gives you time to refocus yourself, if you get what I'm saying, and, you know, look at it and say, hey, this wasn't a fluke. Let's keep it rolling. Let's, you know, let's, let's, let's keep our composure and keep doing what we're doing. And for me personally, it gave me a whole week of practicing, you know, on a bye week starters don't practice the, the twos and the threes are really getting all the reps that week we're still getting you know small portions of individual drills and things like that keeping ourselves in shape and all that stuff but i got to kind of get you know be to the side and any any kind of minute i had where i wasn't doing anything you know crucial to the practice me and dak were taking snaps or me and whoever were taking snaps and uh it just gave me a lot you know gave me thousands and thousands of more snaps that week to get more comfortable with what i was doing because it's you know, playing center in a no-huddle offense, you are a quarterback in yourself, especially in a mulling offense. You're calling out defenses. You're calling out IDs. You're calling out, you know, you, you know, you see safety. you got to read safety. There's a lot to it. And uh, it kind of gave me time to clear my head and not think about the snap and kind of and think about it as a, from a player standpoint, get all my guys where they need to be, my tackles, you know, sliding the right way, guard sliding the right way, people manned up on the backside, whatever it was, it gave me time to kind of get back in that role. Whereas I, I did a little bit of that at guard. I helped Dylan and vice versa. He helped me, but there's a lot more vocal uh, going on there when you're at center and having to get guys in the right spot. So it definitely helped me have that, that extra week to kind of get in that mindset of being the quarterback of the offensive line. So definitely helped. I think it helped me, and to answer your question, yes, it helped me and the team that week having a bye week to kind of get ourselves back down on you know to ground level our feet back on the ground and kind of refocus so yeah that's a good question i've got to ask you ben that we've talked about you and what this was like for you getting ready but coming into this game obviously the one of the bigger stories was dylan not playing what kind of a mindset was dylan in after the huge win at lsu to know that here comes this game and he's not going to get to play in it um you know dylan a lot better than i do but he always seemed to be a guy that wouldn't too you know too afraid to speak his mind a little bit. What was the, these couple of weeks like for Dylan, knowing he wasn't going to get well, to play this game? Well, me and Dylan were roommates uh, for for three years, so I definitely knew Dylan really well. And like you said, he he was an emotional player, and especially playing LSU, I think that kind of got the best of him. Uh, I don't know if that's the best way to put it. It kind of he got into his emotions at LSU because obviously being a Louisiana kid, probably wanted to be you know recruited by LSU, probably had, you know, intentions of, of wanting to go there or aspirations of wanting to go there and, you know, to, to have them not recruit you or not show you any interest or whatever it was. I don't know his whole background with that, but um, I'm sure there was a little fire there, you know. 
Um, but I think that kind of fed into him playing a little more aggressive maybe that game than normal. He was an aggressive player anyways. I mean, you kind of got to be at, at the offensive line position. But, you know, he got I think he got his emotions to get a little bit too much of him in that game. And he was definitely upset, you know, coming off that win. Because we, in our locker room, we knew what we had, you know, from two days uh, going into the season in August and all that stuff. We knew who we were. We knew what we were going to bring to the table we knew it was going to be a special year, whereas maybe not everybody outside of our locker room knew that, you know. Um, so it, it kind of hurt his feelings, you know, got him upset about not being able to be a part of that, that momentum. We we started getting going with LSU and then into A&M and obviously into Auburn the following week. And uh, I, I definitely – I think it, it, it kind of put a little fire in him, though, at the same time to, you know, show that, you know, I'm not invincible. I can I can miss a game. I can get in trouble for these things if I don't act right, you know. So I think it kind of it kind of readjusted his attitude and uh I think it I think it paid off for him as bad as it was to miss a game. You know, I think that's the only game he missed his whole career. Um so um definitely think it helped. If that's a, I don't know if that's the best way to put it. I don't think yeah. it ever helps to miss a game, but I think it definitely helped his demeanor and his attitude. Uh, kind of re- you know, hit the reset button and say, hey, let's you know, let's not take this for granted. This could be taken away just as quick as uh, you know it was given to me. So yeah, I think it definitely helped Dylan's uh, mindset for sure. When you think about an 11 a.m. kickoff, most of the time you're thinking about a game. Most people, you know, they're they're just barely waking up in time to get to the stadium. Uh, the atmosphere is usually not that great, and then sometimes the team comes out a little bit hungover. That's not not to imply that anybody was out drinking or anything, but you, you know what I'm saying. They're just they're just not into the game on those 11 a.m. kickoffs a lot of times. This, for my money, was as good an atmosphere, as good a fan experience, and as good you know as far as the excitement goes of any 11 a.m. game I've ever I've ever seen from from a, a you know team perspective coming out on the field that day and seeing that crowd and and, and feeling that that excitement. You know what was what was the mindset of the team as they as they walked out of the locker room for the first time? Well, I kind of I kind of the best way for me to describe an 11 a.m. game is it's generally uh, you know you're playing like an Alcorn State, a Jackson State, a uh, South Alabama, you know those type of schools. Nothing against those schools, but they're kind of you know they're they're there for a reason. They're there for them and for us, and you know you get what I'm saying, but. An 11 a.m. game, I'll give you, we wake up at 5.30, uh, so that's one of the bummers there. So, you know, I mean, yeah, we get up at 5.30 during the week for workouts and all this other stuff, but that's just a workout to get you, and then you go to class, and it's not really the different. You know, it's a big difference. You don't have to really get up and get as, as physically stretched and, as, you know, mentally locked in as you do for a workout, as you do for a football game, you know, so... That kind of leads up. That leads you to those hangovers because you're up at five thirty. You're going, you know, go to breakfast, go to walkthroughs, go back to your room for rest, come back to walkthroughs again, go eat your, you eat early like a brunch almost, and then go play a game. You know, so it's it's a quick turnaround on a Saturday. But for whatever reason, that Saturday was a little different. We didn't come out sluggish. We came out doing what we were supposed to do. The atmosphere was obviously uh, through the roof. I mean, everybody. I think after that LSU game, people started to see the things we were seeing in August, you know, July and August uh, in training camp. Um, I think everybody kind of knew we were we were the real deal at that point, and I think that uh, definitely the fans being there, the fans are the biggest thing for an early game. If they're there and they're into it, we, it kind of gets us going. And, uh, you know, it felt like a 2.30 CBS game, I mean, to be honest with you. It had all those – had all those, uh, you know, emotions that came with it, and uh, it definitely showed on the field. I think we played a really well, you know, really organized. We didn't have a lot of penalties. We played a really good game, and we had, you know, two new starters on the 
not two new starters, but two new guys on the front line that game, and that's a big difference. Uh, you know, you got a new guard and new center in there. That makes a huge difference playing a really good team, which, you know, they were. Um, and we came out, came out rolling, and it, it never really stopped. And the game really never was close uh, to my memory, you know. And it might have been on the scoreboard for a little while, but it was never – Never in question when we were playing those guys that we were going to win that game and uh, definitely helped feed into that, that big game with Auburn the following week. And, and I think it you know, proved to everyone we were here to do what we were doing and here to stay, and uh, we weren't going anywhere. We weren't just a, you know, a flash in a pan. We were here for the long run, and uh, we had the real, you know, real guys that do it. Uh, really, 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 really talented on both sides of the ball and had a bunch of guys go to the league from that team. So, it all, you know, it's, it was a really good team, and, uh, that Saturday was one I'll never forget. It's, and it's weird to say that about an 11 a.m. game because usually those 11 a.m. games you try to forget about because they're usually closer than they should be with a with a lesser opponent and uh, usually brutal in the in the locker room and at halftime and brutal at uh, in meetings on Sunday. But that was not the case for that Texas A&M game. Well, you sort of hit on it there. The you know the game really wasn't that close. A&M goes up seven nothing to start the game, but then from there it's it, you guys uh, score. I think on your next four possessions, you make it twenty eight seven. A lot of that is you know set up by the fact that Richie Brown has three interceptions. Let's. I know you're you're the offensive guy, but Richie Brown with three interceptions. What were you guys saying to him on the sideline? Man, it was unreal. We were uh, as as being fat guys on the O line. We were kind of upset with him at times. You know, <laughs> we were thinking, you know. Golly, dude, we're, we're running this no huddle. We're out here, you know, hustling, bustling, getting down the field, running no huddle, scoring, blah, blah, blah. And then here we come. Here's another interception. you got to, you know, throw your helmet on, get your shot of water, get back out there. But, no, in all seriousness, that was, uh, man, unreal. That was – I'd actually for, not forgotten about it, but you just, you know, piqued my interest with it there. I forgot about Richie having all those interceptions. I think he had a bunch that season, mm-hmm. uh, if I remember correctly. But – yeah, that was uh, that was unreal. That was crazy, and that was definitely a big, big, uh, you know, big contribution to the what happened on that Saturday. You know, that the defense showed out, and Richie man had a had a game that he'll you know remember and be remembered for the rest of his life. So that's uh, definitely an awesome moment for him and that defense. You know, and and all those guys on that side of the ball. Man, when I think back to this game, I, I think. Well, I guess a lot of that 14 season, you can't help but think about Dak Prescott. But right. uh, he had the huge game. I think it was 260-something yards passing, 70-something yards rushing. I think he counted for five TDs. Um, from a legacy standpoint, there's no doubt what Dak Prescott means to Mississippi State. But you, in this game in particular, you snapped the ball to him. You were a teammate of his. Just tell us what it's like to be a teammate of Dak Prescott. I mean, from the outside looking in, He's a guy that just seems like he makes everyone better. And having been on his team, is that an accurate statement? Just what's it like to, to be a teammate of Dak on the you know being on the inside of this? Well, first and foremost, Dak is is just a, is an awesome dude. I still talk to the guy to this day. We're still good friends. We were great friends in, in college. Um, and 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 his 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 presence outside of the. The environment of the you know of the game, just in the locker room or just at his house playing video games or whatever it was when we were in college, man, he was just a genuine dude. He loved you, he took care of you, and he expected you to do the same for him. He expected you know what I give you, please try to give as much back to him as you can. He was just that type of guy. But playing with a guy like that, man, he just makes you want to try a little harder. He wants you, you know when you're tired, and he kind of looks you in the eye. It's just it's a it's a God given thing. I honestly believe it is the leadership that some of these guys have, like Dak does, 
I think it's just something that's you know bred into you. You know, God gives it to you somewhere, and you, you know, somewhere in you, there's there's that leadership. You know, something comes out of you at times when other people don't have it come out of them. And he brings he brings everything to the table, and man, he is just uh, like you said. He he's going to bring everybody up a little bit. He's going to make everybody just a little bit better. If you're if you're an average guy and you get around Dak, you're going to be a little above average. If you're an A a guy, you're going to be an A plus guy. You know, you're just you're gonna you're just there's something about him. I can't put a word to it, but even in workouts, you know, he just makes you want to work a little harder. And I mean, our coaches had to, you know, hey Dak, you're a quarterback. Let's let's cut it back a little bit. And he was like, man, no, I can't. You know, I'm I'm a leader. And I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And uh, man, to play with that guy, be in the huddle with you know, we didn't huddle, but obviously to be in uh, around that guy and being in situations with that guy when things are tough, you know, against you know. My, Look at Arkansas that year. It was a tough game. I mean, he does things in that game that maybe people he maybe not he doesn't make a play per se, but he he gets us in the in the right spot at the right time, and he he tells you you know he comes to you at the bench you know this ain't our, it's not our cleanest game. Let's finish this. We got too much going on. You know to throw it away. Blah blah blah. Things like that. But man, he's just an awesome guy. I would I would do anything for him if he called me right now and told me to come do something for him in Dallas. I would do it. I know there's probably hundreds of other guys that would do the same thing, but he's, uh, I've said, I've said it before. I think it's been quoted many times. I would, you know, I've said, I told people, I said, man, if I could recreate, if I could make, you know, had a, had a choice in making of a kid, if I have, if I'm blessed to have a, a boy, you know, I would love him to have the attributes of Dak Prescott. You know, I would love him to be a clone of him if I could make that, you know, it's, that's how much he meant to me as a player and as a man and as a friend, you know, he just, and that's how much he means to Mississippi State. You know, I, I fully expect someday for him to have a, you know, a, a statue of him in front of Davis Wade Stadium. You know, if you don't expect that, you just didn't know the guy, you know, and you didn't watch him play, but he was, uh, he was phenomenal and he'll obviously be etched in uh, Mississippi State history for while we're here and after we're long gone, he'll, he'll be remembered for sure. Great dude, great person. So it's 28-10 at the half of this game, and then starting in the fourth quarter, it's 48-17. to I know you guys were confident you were going to win the football game, but were you surprised at just how badly you were able to, to manhandle this team? It's 48-17. They end up getting a couple of garbage touchdowns in the last couple of minutes to cut it down to 48-31. That's the final score. But it's 48-17. It should have been 55-17. Fred Ross drops a, a, a easy touchdown pass uh, in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Did, what did y'all say to Fred when he when he came back to the sidelines? Oh man, that was, the uh, you just got to know Fred. He, he's a Fred's a guy that's definitely in his head a lot of times. And man, just uh, we were just when you're in that situation, obviously it's a little more funny because you know you're going to win the game. So uh, Fred was another guy that hung out with Dak, and when I hung out. With Fred a lot. We were close, and man, just kind of, kind of messing with him on the sidelines. Just you know, just having a little fun with it, which is pretty cool when you're playing a team of that caliber, beating them that bad, and you drop a touchdown pass, and you can kind of sit over there and laugh about it. And I think even Mullen kind of pulled him to the side and poked fun at it too. And uh, but yeah, it was a, uh, you know, it was kind of surreal there for a minute. But we knew going into that game, their front line really wasn't that strong. Uh, they had some, you know, they had some athletes, but they just weren't very organized. They didn't fit gaps well. They weren't a great defense, um, but we knew, you know, on the offensive side that they could obviously keep up with us if our defense didn't do what they did. But, you know, you get, you get three turnovers on pit, you know, picks and things of that nature, you're, you're already flipping the script there on the defensive side. But, yeah, we would, would, would I be lying if I told you I thought we were going to go in there and beat them by, you know, as much as we did? No, you know, yes, I would be lying. I knew we were, a, you know, 14, 17 point 
you know, type of team, we could definitely beat them by that much if we played like we were supposed to. But, uh, yeah, it was definitely kind of surprising to see, you know, come out and put your, you know, your foot on their throat and see how quickly that they, they kind of just gave up. You know, it was, it was crazy. But, uh, but they were a really talented team. They just weren't very organized. They weren't, they didn't fit, you know, schemes well. They just didn't do a lot of things on defense well. We knew we could kind of take advantage of that with the running backs we had and the quarterback we had kind of putting people on islands with having both of those guys being so, you know, uh, versatile with running and, and throwing the ball, uh, it kind of put a lot of pressure on linebackers and safeties, and we knew once we got them out of place that uh, we were going to run up and down the field on them. So surprising, but not really that surprising at the, at the end of the day. So you win, you've, you know, you've beaten LSU. Now you've beaten Texas A&M. You know full well you're going to be in the top ten when the polls come out. You know Auburn's going to be in the top ten. That's who you're playing next week. What was Dan Mullen's message in the locker room after this game? Um, you know, it was the halftime was you know uh, really the halftime was a little more upbeat than the, the end of the game because, like you said, we blew him out so much. But at the end of the at the end of the day, we got in the locker room and uh, it, you know he gave us his speech and he just said, "Look, you know, I'm, I don't know it verbatim, but I, I kind of remember it, uh, you know, kind of just scripting it together." But he said, "Guys, you know, great win, blah blah blah. Uh, you beat a team that that was good. Don't get me wrong, but this team we're playing next week is great. They're a great team. You know, let's let's." Let's kind of, we don't have a bye week to come off this high. Let's keep this momentum going, but, you know, let's keep our roots planted and know what we got to do. We have an end goal, you know, to do things bigger than just, you know, winning three SEC games in a row. You know, there's there's things we've talked about in July, June, July, August, all this time about we want to be an SEC championship caliber team. We want to go. We want to win our games and have a chance to be in, the, you know, be in Atlanta. And uh, this is just another stepping stone to do that. So, of course, we all enjoyed it, but he always says, you know, you get you get 24 hours. When 24 hours is up, we drop, you know, there's no more talking about Texas A&M. We go to Auburn, uh, so on and so forth. So Mullen was good about getting you locked in. Uh, he was great about, you know, patting you on the back when you did good. But when it was time to get, you know, if you did something bad, he got on to you. And if it was time to switch gears and go to something else, he was quick on not uh, gloating and, Sitting and you know bathing in his riches, he was he was quick on just getting everybody back going, getting them back in the right mindset on Sundays, and getting locked in for the next week. So it was one of those deals where uh, you know great win, but let's roll. We got another one to do. We got another, you know. So he knew how big that all. I think he knew how big of a week we had coming up and how much that was going to affect our season if we won that game and you know momentum going forward. So I think he was quick to get us off our high horse and get us back to work. One last question here. The game ends at 2.34 p.m., which means four minutes prior to that, Ole Miss kicks off with Alabama up in Oxford. You know they go on to beat Alabama that day, and that's the day where, you know, maybe the greatest day in, in the overall state of Mississippi football history, the Sports Illustrated uh, cover and all that. Just from your perspective, you know, knowing Mississippi State and what you know of Ole Miss, do you think there can ever be a day like that again where both teams are on that national spotlight? Man, I think it would be one of those moments. Um, I think if you asked us that in 2014, we would have said, you know, sure, why not, why not? But, you know, looking back on it, it would be, you know, it would be very hard to have everything line up like it did that year for both these Mississippi schools. And the talent both of the schools had, the momentum we all had going, the SEC game day, you know, the college game day, flipping back and forth between the state, I think in, within a week of each other, if I'm mm-hmm. correct. Yeah. Um, so you had a lot of just the state was just ringing, man. And, and for Mississippi, you know, to be be able to kind of sit there and poke their chest out as people, you know, whether you're an Ole Miss fan or a state fan or just a 
an unbiased college sports fan, you know, just to sit there and see Mississippi and Mississippi State or just all over ESPN, SEC Network, local news, you know, all this stuff. It just kind of makes you feel good. And it had a, it's had a buzz. You know, it was kind of – I tell everybody that 2014 season to me, in a nutshell, if I can describe it in any way, it's when you watch these movies about these college athletes that live this glamorous lifestyle that everybody loves them, blah, 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 blah. That's what 2014 was to me, you know. It was just ideal, picturesque. If you could make a movie, this is what it would be like, you know. And, it, and I think for the state of Mississippi, I would love to see it happen again, just to see it from the outside looking in. Because you know, when you're a player, of course you get to enjoy it, but you don't get to enjoy it uh, the riches as much as the guys that are watching and not as invested as you are. You know what I mean? You got so much other stuff going on. You got your schoolwork for one, and then you have your weight room and your film and all this other stuff. So it's never really a lot of time to sit back and think about it. You know, it's obviously awesome to live in the moment, but I would love to see it again. But, man, if I, if I had to bet a betting man, uh, I would bet the uh, – under on that, I don't, I don't see that, uh, I don't see that happening again. But I would love to see it happen again. But like you said, that all the stars aligned. It was just one of those rare moments, and uh, I don't see it happening anytime soon. But I would love, I'd love to see it for sure. I'd love to see it. Ben, if we did make a movie about that, who would play you? Who? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, you know, would have to beef up Ben Affleck a little bit. But I'm getting a lot of <laughs> I get a lot of people telling me Ben Affleck, you know, I kind of look like him since he's older than me. I'll say I look like him, you know. But yeah. uh, to get him beefed up a little bit, a little bit longer hair, and uh, we might have we might have another role for him. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Ben Beckwith, man, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. This is a lot of fun. We appreciate it. Appreciate man, I appreciate it, y'all having me. Hell stay, guys. All right, thanks to Ben for uh, for joining us. That was really, really good stuff. Good look inside the uh, the locker room and inside the huddle of what was going on on one of the best days uh, in MSU uh, football history. We've got more great interviews later this week, or I guess it's later this week. Tomorrow. <laughs> it's later this week. <laughs> and it's technically later this week. Dominic Dillingham joins us to recap Mississippi State versus Connecticut, and then we'll continue these kind of uh, recaps and rewinds throughout the, uh, the summer until we've got real sports to talk about, which hopefully will be uh, sooner rather than later. All right. Guys, have a great Thursday, and we'll be back with you on Friday morning. For Joel T. Coleman, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi Media Production.